Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. John 3.16 in the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus that would come in flesh, his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As we go through Advent, we've been looking at different aspects of what Christ brought us in manifesting in the flesh, God with us. And this week, we're looking at love. The love that sent Jesus to earth, dying on a cross, defeating sin so we could be saved. And it's from God's love for us that Jesus commands us in turn to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and our soul and mind and strength, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we love God with all our hearts, knowing that we were worth Jesus to him because that's the price he paid for us. But the second part of Mark chapter 12 speaks about loving others as ourselves. This command is therefore communicating the fact that my degree of self-love determines the degree to which I can love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God and others seems pretty reasonable, cool. But it's love of self that we struggle with the most. Christian writer Dom Eugene Boylan notes in his work, The Tremendous Lover, he says, if we examine the precept of love, we shall find that the obligation, whilst extensive, is by no means insupportable. For though we are to love the members of Christ as he did, we must note that we ourselves are also members of Christ, and therefore we are bound to love ourselves in a truly supernatural fashion. That is a crazy idea. I'm not talking about loving yourself selfishly. I'm not talking about pride and arrogance, but a deep sense of all respect and love for being created in the image of God. Contrary to our popular idea that following Jesus is all about just sacrificing the good things in our lives for God, it's actually more about discovering our worth and developing a deeper self-love, because it's when I have a true self-love that I can love others. You see, in God's kingdom, self-love is not selfish, but it's part of the process toward selflessness. And the enemy knows this truth. And that's why we struggle so much with self-love, because the enemy seeks to distract us with lies. He knows your capacity to love yourself means you will love others the way Jesus wants you to. That's a problem. He understands Proverbs 23 verse 7 that says, as a man thinks, so is he. 
You see, if the enemy can get us to think negatively about ourselves, it negatively impacts our ability to truly love others. As a man thinks, so is he. Oh, let me get man to think badly of himself. He sucks, he's unworthy. If I can get him to do that, so will he be in the way he relates to others. Now, this negative view of ourselves usually manifests in negative self-talk. The inner dialogue you have with yourself. Negative self-talk is where we have thoughts that make us feel shameful and unworthy. Our negative self-talk may include lying thoughts like, I'm no good, or my life doesn't matter, or I'll never make a difference, or I'm worthless. Human behavior coach Beverly D. Flaxington, writing for Psychology Today, describes the impact of negative self-talk when she writes, Negative self-talk steals your attention from the present by helping you staying stuck in the past. It steals your happiness because you can't focus on the good things when your mind is clouded by the negatives. It steals your relationships, your hopes, your opportunity for better things. And immediately when I hear her writing, I hear the common use of the word steal, and I'm reminded of the words describing the devil in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he is the the thief that comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So don't let the enemy steal your capacity to truly love others by convincing you that you're not worthy of love yourself. You see, if the devil can keep you bound by negative self-talk, he has placed a limitation on your love for others, which makes you indifferent to the many lives that you should be having an impact on. And as Elie Wiesel so well articulates, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. I just love Jesus. I just follow Jesus and I love Jesus. Well, there may be lives around you, lives you're called to love, you're incapable of loving or limited in loving, Because the issue of love starts with self. The way you speak to yourself doesn't make sense if that's the truth. So, how can we practically begin embracing the journey of honorably loving ourselves? What do we do? And there are two things that are part of the word of God that I believe we can apply that can help us. The first thing I want us to consider is reframing ourselves within the shadow of the cross. What do I mean by this? Well, if you can't see your worth, look for the price tag God placed on your life. I don't know if you've ever been shopping, and <clears throat> happened a few times to me. Century City, woo, go and buy some new clothes. And I walk in and I see 
shirts I really like. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And then you take it uh, and then you carry on and then you're like, how much does this cost? <laughs> and then you see the price tag. You go, oh, praise the Lord and put it back before anyone sees that you ever took it. If you can't see your worth, look for the price tag God placed on your life. And you will see what God sees when he looks at you. The perfection of Christ in an imperfect sinner. How much are you worth? Well, I'm not sure. Look at the price tag. Jesus. My price tag is Jesus. God sees the perfection of Jesus as the substitute for the sinner I am in myself. So if you can't see your worth, look for the price tag God has placed on your life. See, God's love for me is not determined by the way I feel about myself. A 200 rand note. I, I wanted bigger notes, but we don't have them. Two hundreds, good start. I may feel like this. I may feel like this. But God still sees my worth like this. See, I might feel like this. But God still sees my worth like this. Because as 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the New Testament tells me, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So reframe yourself not around your sin, but under the shadow of the cross which Jesus, from which Jesus saved us, allowing us to become the righteousness of God, loved and worthy in every way. So why don't you ask yourself this question? How does the way I love myself reflect the price tag God paid for me? Or better ways, how does the way I love myself reflect the price tag God has put on my life? Do you understand that there's something ungodly about not loving yourself? first thing we can do is begin reframing ourselves within the shadow of the cross. Look at the price tag on your life. The second thing we can do in trying to explore and learn how to love ourselves is, this is my favorite, speak kindly to yourself. Internally, speak kindly to yourself. Christian psychologist, Dr. Peter Martin wrote, from both a spiritual and psychological perspective, it may be helpful to sometimes observe your own internal narrative and the ways that you tend to speak to yourself. Ask yourself 
Would I be speaking in a loving or charitable way were I to say this to a friend? Even more pointedly, would Christ say these things to me if we were conversing right now? If the answer to either question is no, try to imagine what Christ might say to you or what you might say to a close friend. The more we learn to effectively do this, the more likely we are to mature both psychologically and spiritually. With time and practice, such a reflection may help us to truly love ourselves. So ask one of those two questions. You're going, okay, well, do I speak kindly to myself? Well, I'm not sure. Well, would I be speaking in a loving or charitable way were I to say this to a friend? And my favorite question, which will come up is, would Christ say these things to me if we were conversing right now? Think about the way you speak to yourself internally. Would Christ say the things you are saying to yourself if you were conversing with him? Now, there's a well-known portion of recorded history in the Bible about a man called Thomas, a disciple of Jesus. And this guy, Thomas, struggled to believe Jesus had Jesus had risen from the dead after his resurrection. And, and so guess what we do as humans? We, we put a tag on this guy called Thomas, and we famously begin calling him Doubting Thomas. Typical, aren't we? You know, we take the sin, and then we, we, we identify the person by their screw-ups. Um, and we do it to ourselves, and we talk internally. So we have Doubting Thomas in this moment recorded in history. And, and um, we see that uh, he's struggling to believe in Jesus until he can like actually see the resurrected Jesus that the disciples were speaking about. And I can imagine him maybe speaking negatively to himself internally, knowing that he's such a doubter like everyone else has defined him as, perhaps saying things like, oh, you know, I'm so stupid, I lack faith, I don't believe the way others do. And then we suddenly see in the middle of that, the way Jesus spoke kindly to him. And we read it from John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I, I will not believe. There's the weakness, ladies and gentlemen. There's the very reason we've called him the doubter and defined him by his weakness. I can imagine his potential self-talk in that moment going, oh, jeez, I can't believe it. I'm such a doubter. I'm such weak faith. Maybe he said to himself, oh, stop being so pessimistic, you stupid chop. What's wrong with you? You don't have faith like the others. Imagine. I, I, I can't believe. Until I see it myself, I can't believe. We continue, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Thomas, you stupid fool, here I am. Is that enough evidence that I'm resurrected? Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, don't you feel dumb now? Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, You've got a problem, and I've clearly proved that you have a problem by being here resurrected. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And instead of his first words being any of the above, his first words to the doubter were, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, come here, my boy. Put your finger here. See my hands. Come. Reach out. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Yeah. Stop doubting. Believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Jesus spoke kindly to Thomas, even in his journey with doubting. He didn't allow Thomas to be defined by his doubt, but led him through it so that he would have a revelation of Jesus in which he would confess, my Lord and my God. Jesus speaks kindly to us as sinners, even in our sin. And if we are to love like he did, we need to also speak kindly to ourselves, even in our sin. For as Romans 2 verse 4 of the New Testament explains, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance as it was the kindness of Jesus to Thomas in his doubt that led him to the confession, my Lord, my God. So don't let the enemy steal your capacity to truly love others by convincing you that you're not worthy of love. When engaging with self-talk, ask yourself, would Christ say the things that I am saying to myself in conversation? Because he was so kind, even in the middle of the sinner's sin. Maybe you need to begin speaking kindly to yourself. May you and I love others from a deep and mature self-love, reframing ourselves within the shadow of the cross and speaking kindly to ourselves as Jesus would. If you can't see your worth, look for the price tag God placed on your life. You'll see what God sees when he looks at you, the perfection of Christ in an imperfect sinner. As I land, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 in the New Testament tells us that God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, even though we doubted, even though we felt like this, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Even though we were sinners, in his mercy and his love, brought us life through the price of his son. Therefore, when I cannot love myself, I'm breaking the heart of my father who loved me so much 
that he thought I was worth the price of his son. Would you close your eyes with me? Father God, we come before you. My God, I confess that I struggle to accept and love who I am created in your image. I confess that it's easier to define myself by the things I've failed to do or should have done. I confess that I've thought I was holier in sacrificing and suffering instead of learning that to become selfless, I needed to truly love myself first. And I ask that you would give each of us a deep, mysterious revelation of your love that would leave us in awe of our belovedness that we wouldn't live to be loved, but we would live out of our belovedness. So here we are, Father. Forgive us for breaking your heart by losing sight of our worth in your eyes reflected in the price you were willing to pay for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill our minds and hearts, that in the coming week, Father, you would let your Spirit whisper moments in time, this is my son and daughter with whom I am well pleased. May we hear those words from your heart as you spoke them over your son, Jesus at his baptism, before he could perform to prove his worth, you declared him beloved. I pray you would let us hear that declaration in our hearts.